Welcome back to the show. I'm Rena Sherbel. Super happy to have on Rob Isbitz, who you may have heard talking with Matthew Tuttle in previous conversations here on Investing Experts. Today, he's on solo talking ETFs, cover to call ETFs, a lot of questions and comments in recent times, given the JEPI ETF popularity, lots to discuss about ETFs, covered call ETFs. Nobody better to talk about that with than Rob Isbitz, who publishes under Sun Garden Investment Publishing. Great to have him on the show. Any articles discussed today, you can find links to them on our show notes. And all episodes have transcripts available on Seeking Alpha. And for those wanting to follow breaking news and general news coverage of the markets, come listen with us at Wall Street Breakfast. We have morning episodes released before 7 a.m. Eastern and afternoon episodes released around 12 noon Eastern. You've got Wall Street Breakfast and Wall Street Lunch for all your market news needs. Rob Isbitz, it's nice to have you on the other side of the mic, and uh, great to have you back on Investing Experts. Nice to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on. Well, thank you very much for inviting me on, Rena. Looking forward to this conversation. As am I, as am I. Uh, you publish under Sun Garden Investment Publishing. You also have the Rob Isbitz profile, but share with listeners who maybe haven't heard your earlier episodes with Matthew Tuttle, or maybe even if they have, kind of remind them of where you're coming from in the industry and how your kind of, how your view has been shaped. Sure. And I, I, I like to kind of summarize it for the sake of time uh, by just throwing a couple of numbers at you. So the first number is 16. That's uh, the age I was in New Jersey when my late father and my hero, Carl Isbitz, was never a professional investor, but he was a serious do-it-yourself investor, which immediately attracted me to the nature of seeking alpha. We'll get to that later. Um, 37, uh, how many years I've been in the investment business? Started in 1986 out of college. Uh, 30 years uh, of that time, I have been in a position to make professional investment decisions. Uh, I added up to about 120,000 hours, so I'm no uh, spring chicken, as they say. Um, and I was an advisor, a registered advisor with a client base, high net worth client base, and you know, everything was personalized. And I did that for 27 years, sold that business, retired, quote unquote, haha, not really. I mean, I'm, I'm not the type that's ever going to retire. Um, and uh, but I've been writing for about 25 years and I said, you know, this would be a great time to pivot kind of second career, semi-retirement career, whatever you want to call it. So after we sold the practice, uh, I, uh, I started looking for what I would call signs of intelligent life, <laughs> where I could take the uh, knowledge and experience and the writing skills to a bigger audience, but without providing personalized advice because I'm, I'm out of that business. And uh, yeah, so a little over a year ago, this company called Seeking Alpha contacted me and uh, they said, what about contributing to us as an analyst? And the rest, as they say, uh, is is history. And and what I have uh, enjoyed most about the past year, by the way, tomorrow we're recording this uh, Wednesday, I guess. Tomorrow is my one year anniversary of my first post on Seeking Alpha. So I'm very happy about that. And I thank everybody there. Uh, but uh, I've had uh, received and answered more than a thousand comments over the past year. I try to answer every single one. Uh, and it's really helped shape not just my, uh, my uh, where my mind should go 
in the continuing evolution of these kind of modern markets, as I call them. But uh, it's also given me a sense of what investors and mass are thinking about. And that's been a great back and forth. And I look forward to that continuing because uh, it's it's getting down to brass tacks, as they say, in terms of uh, the stock and the bond markets. And uh, so good, good time for this conversation. I want to I want to get into ETFs with you. Not many people are covering ETFs. Not many people are covering them in in depth like you are. So I'm curious for those investors uh, searching out the ETF universe. How would you synthesize and quantify how you look at the ETF space? Sure, mostly what I write about, other than the strategy pieces. So. Let me try to boil it down this way. Uh, I think it's always better if you can kind of put things in perspective of what you already know. Uh, I would think of it this way. Stocks are kind of like a one-dimensional investment world. Mutual funds and closed-end funds are two-dimensional, and ETFs are three-dimensional. And I don't mean actual, like the physics definition of dimensions, okay? Stocks are one-dimensional. Here's why. Because no matter what happens in a bad market, your great companies can get dragged down with everything else. And steal my thunder a little bit for 30 seconds from now, probably the uh, the equity market, I should say the ETF market uh, is such that it has made everything more indexable. And so as a result, if you take, I don't know, pick a FANG stock, okay, and we've seen this, uh, you may love a particular FANG stock, but if money gets flying out of the NASDAQ and the Qs, okay, which have billions and billions of dollars in them now, the QQQ ETF, which is the NASDAQ 100, well, guess what? There's so much selling pressure that has nothing to do with that one fang stock that you own and love, it's too much of a headwind and and your stock price is not going to go up. That to me has always been the limitation of individual stocks. You can't hedge them. And increasingly, they are built by association, even if the companies are solid and you spend years trying to find you know uh, a stock that sells at actual fair value. And uh, so anyway, I'm not discouraging anybody from that. I'm just saying it's it's... It's what caused me to move on you know, from that early in my career uh, and not do nearly as much stock investing. So the two-dimensional world, mutual funds and closed-end funds, a lot of categories. You can even profit from falling markets. I mean, I've managed three mutual funds during my career. Um, I learned a lot about mutual funds, ETFs, and the value of hedging when I started running my first fund on August 14th, 2008. Seems like a history quiz today. August 14th, 2008. The S&P was already down 15% in the next seven months. All it did was fall another 55%. Welcome to managing a mutual fund, kid. And so I learned a lot about risk management then. Didn't lose nearly as much, but I said, I'm not going to let that happen again. And uh, so what ETFs do versus this kind of one and two dimensional world yeah, they have some structural advantages that relate to taxes, but I'm not a tax advisor, so I'll focus on the other aspects and, and how I use them. Uh, you know, they're, I believe they're on their way, if they're not only there, to having the widest 
range of investment choices available. There's over 3,000 ETFs. And really, to me, the best thing about them is that you can use them to slice and dice and segment and sub-segment and micro-segment just about any market. You can hedge your investments, and I write a lot about that. Uh, and you don't need to use leverage. I mean, there are levered ETFs, but you don't have to go that way. Um, you know, you don't have to take out a margin loan to effectively have a, a short position. And uh, so to me, the flexibility is, is key, number one. Um, number two, and this is a misperception, which I've had a lot of discussions with in the comments section uh, with Seeking Alpha readers, ETFs are actually quite liquid in most cases because it doesn't matter even if it's a small kind of hidden gem which I, I read a lot about kind of hidden gem etfs the undiscovered uh you can have an etf that has a very low asset base and doesn't trade that much but if what it owns the underlying investments are very simplified let's say you and i started an etf and all it does is it buys the dow the dow 30. it's 30 liquid stocks okay that thing could go probably two weeks without a single trade being executed and have very little in assets. But if the ETF company has set up trading arrangements where they have market makers that are willing to buy or sell a basket of the 30 Dow stocks in this case, uh, as, soon as, as soon as a trade order comes in, problem solved. They're as liquid as just about anything. So. I don't want anybody to be sort of frightened off of ETFs thinking, well, it doesn't have enough assets, et cetera. I, I see that a lot in the comments and, and I've responded to people, but you know, since we're, we're talking to a lot of folks here, I wanted to make sure. Uh, the other thing about ETFs that I love, they're an excellent, excellent way to track market trends. Uh, I maintain a list of about 150 myself, although I'm at least conversant in over 3000. Uh, so that, I think that qualifies me to be an ETF geek. Would, would that would that not? That... I, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I okay. think that's good, the, good. the classic right. definition. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. I uh, my parents would would have been proud. Um, <laughs> so the I, I mean, again, I have kind of a dashboard. I've shared bits and pieces of this. I think I probably will share some more with the Seeking Alpha audience going forward. Uh, but whether it's it's like if you want to know what the market's doing, uh, don't just look at the S and P and the Nasdaq. Look underneath. Uh, and there's an ETF. It's kind of like there's an app for that. There's an ETF for that. There's an ETF for all the broad market equity uh, stuff, sectors, industries, themes, segments of the bond market, uh, segments of the commodity market, individual commodities. I mentioned you can invest in oil. You can invest in oil with covered call writing on it. You can invest in oil through the stocks. You can invest in oil through the big uh, um, integrated oil companies. You can invest in oil through uh, the drillers, okay? You can invest in oil through the global companies. I mean, there's so many ways to slice it up. How do you use the covered calls with ETFs? How do you implement that? Yeah. So I, 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 I was hoping we would get to this uh, because if there's anything that to me is, let's call it trending right now, uh, in the work I'm doing for Seeking Alpha, uh, you know, there has been a dramatic increase in issuance in ETFs that are what I would call option infused. Uh, a lot of those are covered call ETFs where they simply take something that 
individual investors and their brokers going back to when everyone was a broker, not an advisor. I mean, for decades, people have been saying, okay, I own stock XYZ, uh, it's selling at $50. Um, you know, if I'm willing to give up the upside in the next three months above $55, because I don't think it'll go up 10%, I can get paid now. And so you receive that covered call income and you can continue to do this over and over and over again uh, over time. And it had, for a lot of people I see in the Seeking Alpha audience, especially in this era of such low rates on cash and, and safer bond alternatives, um, the interest came up. And then, of course, there were a couple of funds that got very, very big. I now count over 200 ETFs out of maybe 3,500 in issuance that are actually option oriented. A lot of them are completely off the radar. So guess what, Mr. You know, Hidden Gem ETF guy, me, is going to be doing a lot more work on them. I already have, but I'll be doing a lot more. And so what that allows people to do uh, is to uh, perhaps have some upside. They're all a little bit different. Some give you very little upside, and it's all about capturing that premium income from the covered calls. Some go part of the way. Some are really equity funds, but have a little bit of a sliver of hedge. Where I have come to the Seeking Alpha audience, and this is as uh, current as like since the beginning of September, I think. I wrote a couple of articles that were very well received. Uh, and what I really loved about them is that the comment section turned into like a mini course, not taught by me, but moderated by me because people were asking great questions. A lot of people have experience with this, uh, either through ETFs or or they were doing this with stocks for a long time. And it's, it's a high caliber audience here. So, um, you know, I, uh, I looked at it and I said, okay, maybe covered call ETFs where you give up a lot of the upside, but you still get a nice total return in good markets because you're bringing in that premium income. That's great. And they're especially great for sort of trading range, stagnant, you know, volatile, but goes nowhere ultimately markets, which is what we had in stocks and maybe we'll have in bonds. And there are covered call ETFs or bonds and some commodities too now. Uh, but there's one problem, bear markets. So when the stock market falls precipitously, uh, that covered call income only gets you so far. And the best example, and I think this is how markets are going to work more going forward than they have in the past, because of it, like everybody's an investor and it's global and 24-7. And, uh, you know, I mean, I don't have to tell you, you know, <laughs> given given uh, uh, the environment we're in seeking alpha, you know, there's always new information. And because of that, markets are likely to be more volatile, and even when it comes to bear markets, it's kind of like very gradually and then all at once. And uh, when that happens, like in February, March of 2020, you're getting that covered call income typically every month, maybe every quarter. Uh, but then you see, so it's covering you a little bit at a time. You know, you're making a half percent, 1% a month in covered call income. Well, 
if the underlying stock portfolio that you're getting those option uh, premiums on falls 20% in a month, or even 10% in a month, you just got way behind. And I think it's going to be a lot harder for markets to bounce back from big defeats going forward because we've already come so far and it shows in valuations and things like that and the bond market alternative, all the other stuff I talked about before. So I guess the bottom line on covered call ETFs and, and really what the nature of these two articles is about is, okay, what I write about is what I do for my own money because I'm not in the personalized you know, advice business anymore and what somebody else does with the information obviously is, is, is up to them. Uh, but I can tell you that my own portfolio other than a huge slug of T-bills, because of the reasons I mentioned earlier, okay, the other income part of it I have for my family is a lot of covered call ETFs, but it's an array of them. I own yeah, typically three to five at a time. I'm looking at different markets, and I actually analyze them in terms of which ones is the best value. Can you uh, say the three to five that you're looking at right now, just for context? Yeah, sure. So uh, currently I own DJIA, uh, which uh, is the Dow, uh, based on the Dow and writes covered calls on the Dow. Uh, I own uh, XYLD, which is uh, the uh, S&P version. Uh, I own QYLD, which is the NASDAQ version. Those are Global X products, but it's not a commercial for them. Um, and uh, the biggest position I own right now is TLTW. Uh, which it takes the 20 to 30 year treasury, very popular ETF, writes covered calls on it. Uh, and then I also have a smaller uh, position, which I started recently in USIO, which is uh, the oil price or ETF that tracks the oil price with covered call writing on that. Now, um, you know, the T-bills are a bigger part of the portfolio than this, but I think they're going to swap places when T-bills aren't yielding 5%, okay? But as much income as I'm bringing in, because I figure, you know, if if my baseline, if I've got a lot of money that's, that's bringing in 5%-ish, okay, and I can target maybe double that, maybe even a little bit more with ease, that's great. But again, one problem, big market declines, okay, uh, or... Since options are driven by volatility, the VIX volatility indicator is as low as it's been in a long time, and frankly, right where it was before 2022 started, and we had an awful market. So any type of repeat of that, you know, stock prices are going to fall. And if that happens, what do you do? I think the standard response to people that own covered call ETFs is to say, ah, it'll all, it'll, it'll all wash out, you know, over time. And that works until it doesn't. And remember, I was an advisor to retired and approaching retirement people for 27 years until I sold the practice and exited that business three years ago. Um, and so I've been through those conversations for three decades. I mean, more than I can count. And I can tell you that the perceived safety of going into covered call ETFs without a plan for bad markets is going to leave a lot of people disappointed and frankly feeling, to use an old expression, hoodwinked. Like, like I can't believe people wrote about this. Okay. So what I did in these two articles, and I will continue to do it, 
uh, in, in some more coming up, is say, you know, the covered call ETF position is more like a core. It's an anchor in your portfolio. But as an example, okay, XYLD is the S&P 500. What if the S&P falls really hard? Well, there's plenty of ETFs that you could take a small or a big position in, up to you, but they exist to offset what happens when things don't go well for XYLD. And the flip side of that is, well, at some point we'll get a really bad market. And what will happen after that? We'll get a really good market. And when that happens, maybe you won't need the hedge so much. You still will want that covered call income, okay? And you'll be getting more of it because volatility will probably be up. And that, that gives you more, more option premium. Uh, and so, I mean, look, everybody knows what SPY is. If you want an XYLD, okay, and you say, you know, I like the covered call thing, but the problem is I get capped out. I can't, if the market goes up 20%, I'm just getting my covered call premium. Well, you can tactically add a, an offensive position by owning a, whatever, SPY as an example, but any equity ETF. So at the end of the day, I most people are looking at covered call ETFs as one holding. And I'm looking at it as one, in my portfolio, as one core holding, which I tactically add offense and defense around it. So hopefully that brings it all together because I, I, I think I, I'm very happy that in the last month, I feel like I've been able to maybe move the conversation a bit forward on Seeking Alpha about covered call ETFs and option infused ETFs, but more importantly, about the whole concept of what I call playing offense and defense at the same time. I think with with the uh, you know popularity of JEPI and the discourse around these ETFs, I think it's really important to get some context and uh, really explain to investors I think the advantages of using this. So I think that this has been great. And I also would say to uh, people listening, you know, share your questions and comments with us. And hopefully this is an ongoing conversation. I think this is a conversation that we can keep furthering people's education and interest in the space and and how they can best use this, uh, you know, to profit through an unstable and unsure market. So I appreciate it. And uh, hopefully this is just the first of, of many conversations that we dig deeper into this. Um, happy for you to share with, I know you have some new things going on in Substack in addition to all your encouraging uh, missives from Seeking Alpha. If you want to share with, with listeners all the many different places they can find you, uh, and maybe if you want to share with listeners what else they can look forward to in your writing at Seeking Alpha and the conversations here. Sure. Uh, thank you for uh, giving me that that opportunity. Uh, we actually uh, have a brand new website. Uh, it really is my personal research deck come to life. Uh, know what you decided to call it? What's that? ETF yourself. <laughs> I have to be careful the way I emphasize that. It's ETF yourself. How to use ETFs to invest yourself. I like it. And Part of it was inspired by answering a thousand comments in the Seeking Alpha uh, uh, audience. Uh, so, you know, what's in there? Uh, all the market indicators and research techniques I've developed and refined over the decades, the stuff I use to manage my own money, my model portfolios, uh, ETF research. I cover 150 of them, but I'm familiar with 3,000 of them. 
uh, risk ratings. Uh, I built something based on my charting experience, uh, which is a, a technical rating, uh, but it's not so much about where can I make a, you know, a killing the next month, it's where is the risk? Because as I said before, anything can make money at any time. We'll have model portfolios in there, uh, running commentary on what I think about the markets. Uh, if you will, I think it probably goes hand in hand with a lot of the topics and a lot of the, let's call it evidence and research that uh, I have and will be presenting on Seeking Alpha. Uh, so kind of an outgrowth. And um, uh, so etfyourself.com, uh, Substack is this really neat platform we, we put it on. Uh, very interactive as well. So etfyourself.com. Um, you know, the company is Sun Garden Investment Publishing and uh, or SIP as we call it. And we always invite people to take a sip of what we're doing uh, on Seeking Alpha, the profile page. And I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter. Um, so that's uh, that's Rob Isbitz and, uh, and gang. Awesome. Rob, appreciate it. Rob Isbitz, Sun Garden Investment Publishing. Go ETF yourself. No, just kidding. ETF yourself. <laughs> uh, you said it, not me. <laughs> yes. Um, all right, Rob, I appreciate you. Talk to you soon. Thanks for sharing so much information with us. Just a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast should not be considered investment advice. This is for entertainment purposes only, and you should seek advice from a licensed professional before investing. If you enjoyed the episode, leave a rating or review on your favorite podcasting app. And we'll see you soon with a new episode.